Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on today's show, we have Amanda Bolin. Amanda is going to tell you what it was like for her to leave the corporate world. If you're listening right now, you have a 9-to-5 job, or you work in the corporate world, and you want to leave, this is the show for you. She's going to tell you what it was like building up before she left, the feeling after she left, and emotions going on. And how she did it, and now she's killing it in the entrepreneurial world. She left, and now she has a podcast called She Did It Her Way. It just got named by Forbes Top 12 Podcast for Entrepreneurs. Then she talks about her job that she does. She's a subcontractor where she travels around the country and works with big companies and finds out what their weakness is as a team and goes through and helps them become better as a team. And you're going to hear the biggest obstacles that teams have, what they have as a team, the communication barriers. It was very interesting for me to learn this. And for you too, this is a great show for you to learn about it, especially if you're starting a company, if you have a bunch of founders, and what it's like to actually work with each other and how to be productive. So a lot of great stuff there. Then also, she is one of the members of the Young Entrepreneur Convention. We talk about that as well, about the event we got going on. I've been talking about it for a while now. Young Entrepreneur Convention, which is awesome. We got John Lee Dumas. We got Ken Shamrock, Des Woodruff. I'm a speaker. We got all kinds of speakers there. A lot going on with that event. But Amanda is a part of it as well. You certainly want to check that out, the youngentrepreneurconvention.com. We got our, our crowdfunding campaign is about to launch here November 2nd at 9 a.m. S- stay tuned for more updates on that. It's going to be awesome. But let's jump into it. Let's hear from Amanda Bolin about her life of leaving the corporate world and never looking back. Let's get started. <laughs> Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. On today's show, we have Amanda Bolin. Amanda, how you doing? Woo, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing awesome. For one, because you're on my show. For two, by the way, congrats. You made, was it top 12 podcasts <laughs> named on Forbes? Is that true? Um, yeah, that might be true. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's a little secret. No, but yeah, that's boom. true. Boom. And, you know, I, I wanted you on my podcast anyways. I wasn't that guy that saw your success and just wanted you a part of it. But also, Amanda and I are good friends. We're actually, she is one of the co-founders of Young Entrepreneur Convention. She's a part of the team. I'm excited to have her on. But I'm excited, more excited to hear her story and have her on the podcast show to have her share her story with the audience. We're going to talk about going into corporate and how you left corporate you started your own podcast and you became a solo entrepreneur. You became your own person. And now you're an inspiration for women across the country. Amanda, tell me where you got started as a young entrepreneur and how it led you to where you are today. Oh my gosh. Well, Brandon, thank you for uh, the compliments. At where I got started, I mean, man, I could talk for hours on that. I'll give you the 30,000 foot view, and then maybe we can dive in wherever you see fit. But <laughs> I graduated from University of Iowa in 2010. Woo! Go, Iowa. Yes. Uh, born and raised in Iowa in a 65,000 person town, a lot bigger than your 700, but yeah. nonetheless. <laughs> and I graduated, I studied finance, and I had, got my certificate in entrepreneurial management. And when I graduated, I knew that I didn't want to do finance and I always had this passion behind wanting to go out on my own and having that desire. I just didn't know what that looked like or when it would be. So I took a job with Target stores in Des Moines, Iowa, and I was the manager. They give it a fancy title called executive team leader. And so I was 22. I had keys to a $65 million store and I ran my own work center. And I did that for about a year until I realized that retail was not for me. I mean, it's tough because you're working 
weekends and your schedule's not as normal. Oh, quote, long quote. hours. Holiday season two. I know. Oh, my, yes. Tremendous respect for anyone in the food industry. I mean, just retail working with the public, period. And so I took the leap from leaving Target where everything was safe. I had 401k benefits, a trajectory to make a six-figure salary by the time I was 26. And I just knew in my heart of hearts that that was not where I needed to be, even though status quo said that don't quit your job, stay with it. And <laughs> that's what that's what you should do when you're 23, 22 starting out. And uh, I left and I took a third-party contracting position uh, at Wells Fargo. So I was a recruiter in their human resource department. And I did that for eight months until I had an opportunity to go out on my own as a freelance consultant, but I like to call it a solopreneur uh, under the umbrella of an entrepreneur. And that was May 2012 and about three and a half years ago, and I haven't looked back since. And since I've been a solopreneur, it's opened up time and space for me to create almost anything that I've desired and that's been laid on my heart. And one of them has been the She Did It Her Way podcast that I co-founded with two other fantastic individuals, Tess Wicks and Molly Daly, who are some of the brightest and most inspiring women that I, I know to date. So, and here we are. <laughs> so, so tell me, what was it terrifying? I mean, when you left the actual corporate safe job, what was going through your mind? And, oh my gosh. And what, 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 uh, allowed you to, to get the courage to actually leave? Yeah. Well, for me, I think I'm, I don't shy away from risk there. You can take, there's things, there's decisions that are risky and then there's calculated risks. And I tend to, I can handle a lot of risks. So for me, when I decided I was about six months into Target and I remember looking around after working 11, 12 hour days, 13 out of 14 days in a row. And I was up at the front of the store and I'm like thinking to myself, no way is this what people sign up for. Like you get up and you go to work and even though you're not excited about it, you still take it and you have these crazy emotional days where people are upset at you. And oh. I mean, and this isn't, let me back up too and say that not all quote unquote corporate America is, is bad. Corporate America is fantastic. It, it also helps drive the economy. But for me at that moment in time in my life, I'm like, whoa, like, is this it? And I knew when I, based on the people that I'd surrounded myself with, I, my mentor at the time, Adam Carroll, who is still a mentor of mine, he had, he was living a life that I looked at and I thought, dang, that's, I want to get up every day and absolutely love what I do. And yeah. even though that it's tough, and I'm sure you can attest to this, even though the days are like now in this space that we live in can be grueling and it's tough. And some days you want to quit, but there's that internal like accountability to what you're personally building yourself that keeps you going. And so back when I decided six months in, I was like, that's when I started challenging the life and the environment around me being like this, this cannot be it. And so from month six to month 12, when I actually decided to leave, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of, well, maybe I should stick it out. I'm going to change roles. I'm going to change yeah. stores. So the, the lead up it, for me was I never really made the final decision until about month 10. And once I made the decision to leave, that's when doors opened up. But going back to the fear of it was I mean, I had a good thing going, living in Des Moines. I made a decent salary. There was a lot ahead of me. And to leave a role that I that a lot of people looked at and thought that I was crazy and saying that, well, why would you leave this? This is such a good job. Like you have a great plan ahead of you. You're going on this, they call it hypo, like high potential. I mean, yeah. selling everything and raises and um, just selling and drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will. That was probably the hardest thing. But in terms of fear, I literally honestly thought, meh, the worst that could happen is that I would go get a bartending job or I'd have to move back home to Dubuque and live with my parents until I figured it out. And at that point in my life, when I figured out I wasn't going to die, I'm like, well, shoot, I'm 20, 23. Why not? Why not do it? And I know that 
there might be people listening that go, well, that's great for you. It works out and you didn't have a family or you didn't have X, Y, and Z. Um, I would say that everyone's decision when it comes to making decisions is that whatever it is, the process is the same. So if you find yourself in a position that you might have, it's a different scenario. If you really want something to happen, you will figure it figure it out. I mean, I my risk at that time was I had a car loan and I had a significant chunk of student loan debt to the tune of about fifty grand, and so that was my risk in saying, okay, well, what what can I do? How can I do this? What's the least amount of money that I have to bring in? And so you learn, like you start mitigating and that's, your risk. That's a great point. So tell me the feeling when you made the decision. You actually left, like. Tell me that feeling because I know the feeling, but I want to hear from you. How did you feel? And so the people listening can know how that feels. So oh maybe it can gosh. help. Like, oh, well, you're you get nervous and you get scared because you think like right up before I put my, in my two weeks, you just second guess yourself. You're like, oh, okay, yesterday was a crap day, but today was really good. Like, can I handle this? But then <clears throat> once you make the decision, you say enough is enough. I'm done, and you stop looking at what the quote, like the potentials out in the future. And you just start dealing with the information at hand and you admit to yourself that this is not working. No amount of money will suffice and make me happy. That's also something you like I learned. So when I talk to people and they're like, yeah, but I make really good money. Okay. Stop justifying money. Don't make you happy. Compromising your happiness because you make X amount of dollars. Like if you really want something, you'll change your lifestyle in order to get it. And that yeah we can go into that so later but I, that makes a good point i want to go into because we both share the same thing i love corporate and you said when you think about it like when you're ready to leave you thought to yourself well what's the worst that could happen maybe i got to go to a bar job whatever it is for anybody out there listening and you're in a job i don't care if you're making a million dollars a year and if you're unhappy you're not in the right place but you need to think about the worst that could happen and when you really think about it, the worst that can happen, it, it it's really not that bad. I mean, quite honestly, if you look at life and you value your life, the worst that could happen is maybe you would go broke or maybe you would have to spend time with the family members, sleep on their couch. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to tell you that that experience actually isn't that bad. That experience allows you to find out who you really are as a person and you realize that it's not that bad after all. And it's the best decision you can make. And like you had done, you had procrastinated a little bit and kind of thought, oh, I'm going to do it. Do I not quit? Do I leave? I did the same thing. But then I realized that there's no right time. It's never right. It's no. like when starting a company. It is never right. And when I did it, I drove to the headquarters and I just said, hey, I'm leaving the company. I'm following my dream. And I'm done with the company. And yeah. that, that was my last day. And that, because they, they shut down my computers, I had access. I mean, I was a top manager. They cut it all off. But it was the best thing I ever did. So we can share the same experience for anybody out there listening. You just got to make that leap. You just yeah. got to do it. And if you think about it, it's, it's not that bad. Look at the worst that could happen. Maybe you got to do some things that are tough, but it's worth it. It is worth yeah. it. And I always tell people, so in one of the things that I'm working on a book right now that's talking about I, the three pieces of the lead up, the leap, and the land, if if you decide you choose you want to leave corporate America and go out on your own, people who are risk adverse and people who are not risk adverse have different feelings and emotions that go through. And so I want to be respectful of that because, again, like I said, I realize that I can handle a lot more risk than most people, mm-hmm. which is probably why I'm in where I'm at where I am today. But when you start challenging and start thinking that you might want to transition. I think an important thing to do is first financially figure out like, what is your threshold? What do you need in your account to maybe be comfortable? And how do you go through and figure out what does it cost for you to live each month? So then that way, if that's something that you want and desire to prepare for. But when I went in and I I gave my notice to target, they, it was, it was so surreal at first because I thought, Oh my gosh, yeah. What the heck did I just do? And I'm, I was blessed that I'm still blessed. Like my parents are not, I mean, neither of them went to college and one never finished their high school education. And so to my parents and what they feel is they like, they didn't have this clout over of like guilt to say yeah. like, we paid your education. Like you need to get a 401k. And, and that's, 
I, I know some of my friends have that influence from their parents. And so I, I, that's really tough. And so I, anyone who may end up going through that or in that position, I mean, that it, it is really tough. And that's something that I've never had to deal with. And so for that aspect, like I consider myself fortunate, but when I went in and I put the two weeks in, I mean, my, some of my coworkers were like, you're crazy. You're nuts. And I'm like, whatever you guys are sitting here saying, you don't like it either, but you're not willing to step outside and like try yeah. something new because you make good money. And I'm like, Oh, I'm still young. Like, let's, let's just do this. And so really when people look in and they say like, you quit your job and you went out on your own, the real leap was actually going from target to Wells Fargo through a third party agency, because I took a $10,000 pay cut. When I left target, I left all the benefits that I had, whether it was PTO or 401k. I didn't, when I moved into Wells Fargo through the third party company, I didn't get paid time off. Like if I had to leave or go, I didn't, I wasn't making that money. And so, but what the big, what I learned is that sometimes you have to make decisions that create, provide you more space to do what you want. I got about 20 hours of my life back every single week when I went to Wells Fargo. And I was lucky enough that it, it be in an interim position. I could have got on to Wells Fargo and they could have told me, Hey, you know what? We actually don't need your services anymore. So you're going to be done in two weeks. Now, luckily the economy and I was working in home mortgage that I was able to work there for eight months straight and had an offer to go full time, but I turned it down because I'm like, no, I know what I want to do. And being in a full-time job is not it. Not so it. yeah. And I, the universe, some people are like, eh, the universe, whatever, but I call it, I think there's times where we get faced with decisions that we have to make that it's almost like you're being tested about what you really want. And I got tested while I was at Target with some opportunities right before I decided to leave and I turned those down. And when I was at Wells Fargo, I had an option for the security of a full-time recruiting position in Des Moines. And I turned that down because I knew it wasn't what I wanted and I was willing to take the chance and say, no. You never cut your dreams short if you know what you want. Yeah. You got to go and you did that. And some people, they, they have them flashy things that look intriguing, the the big raise or the whatever promotion. Shiny but, ball syndrome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it if it's not what you really want, don't don't lie to yourself. I mean, just yeah. go after what you really want. So now explain to me, and that you've tried before, kind of tell me what your lifestyle is now, what a typical week looks like, and for what you do for your work. Oh gosh. So it, and it, it's changed since I went out on my own, but when I went out on my own and I first started, I, a hundred percent of what I was doing was consulting work in the capacity of sales training for organizations, along with like leadership development and helping organizations create clarity inside what's going on, helping their employees see why they do what they do and how they align with the vision. I still do that. It's not a hundred percent of what I where I spend my time, but when I started out, that's what I did. And I've had a blast and been fortunate to meet some pretty amazing people. I've gotten to work with end clients who are like JP Morgan, ATT, Weight Watchers, some hospitals and healthcare facilities. Uh, I've gotten to work with Intel. I've been able to travel the globe and do those things. But as I've been in this solopreneur space opportunities are showing itself on other ways to get involved and to leverage my strengths, such as the young entrepreneur convention. Amen to that. You brought one of the best teams in the world, man. Yeah. Which is something that I knew I always wanted to do, but two years ago, it wasn't the right timing. And so now after we've connected, it just, it makes sense. And timing's everything. It is. And like the podcast, which we, me and Tess and Molly, we launched this past January. So, um, it just came at the right timing with the right people. And I think there are always windows of opportunity. So whether it's an opportunity to leave your job or it's an opportunity to make an impact or an opportunity to do whatever, there's windows. And you can either run with the momentum that's within that window or you can let it pass you by and miss it. And so that also requires you to be really in tune with what's going on and what you and letting your values 
base your decisions on what you say yes <sighs> and, to and what you say no and to. And you got to pick the right opportunities. And like you talk windows, yes. when I when I spoke to you for the first time, I said to you, Amanda, we all have opportunities in life. Mm-hmm. This is one that you don't want to let pass you by because it'll be the best opportunity in your life. And if you don't take it, you regret it for the rest of your life. And you clearly <laughs> took it. And I mean, you and I have a lot in common. I mean, you're doing a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. You're inspiration for women. I'm inspiration for uh, young entrepreneurs. And we have the same vision. And I always say people with the same mission in life, they will find each other. Yes. People will, People that are like come together, entrepreneurs, whoever. So timing was right, took the opportunity. And now, dude, we're going to kill it. Yeah. Well, and, and you're you're absolutely right. And that's why, right in the sense that when people have the same mission and vision, it's easy to come together and going back to consulting. That's what I love about some of the, the work that I, I do is because if you are working inside of an organization and you have your employees are on different visions and, and thoughts of what they believe their role is and how they impact, then like Jim Collins says is, you have a bus, you have five buses that are leaving from San Diego and the one that it, all the buses really should be going to is Chicago, Illinois, but you've got two buses going to Texas. You got two going to New York and you only have one going to Chicago. Well, there probably needs to be alignment in the vision, but when you have people that come together and have the same vision and same values, that's when you truly make an impact and you can gain momentum from one another. So, Tell me about when you travel these different businesses and AT&T or Weight Watchers or whatever. Give me, give us a a better uh, insight of what you do with these people to help them. I mean, you help them as individuals to be more successful as a team, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So let me know how that, how that works. (laughs) If you were to come in to the, the university young entrepreneurs team, what would you do to our team to make us, be more successful. I would just start telling you what you need to do. I'm <laughs> no, 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 that's quite opposite. I'm kidding. I know some of my friends and family, they're like, so you go in and you tell companies what to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not a matter of telling companies what to do. It's going in and having a conversation and asking the right questions to get an understanding of where are you at? Where do you desire? Where do you like envision yourself being? And then what are the hurdles that are stopping you from getting from where you're at to your desired outcome? And through that with organizations, it's working with top-level leadership, whether it's directors or VPs, having that conversation, and then going out and conducting focus groups. Because you have to get a sense. I mean, it's just like any anyone else to do business. You have to ask questions. You have to see what's out there, what's in the market. Well, you have to see what's going on inside the organization. You have to ask the people from frontline down to managers and leaders. And do once you start doing that, and you start seeing themes that come out, whether it's lack of trust, lack of clarity, lack of communication, inconsistency, which those tend to be the top ones of any organization that you go into because you're dealing with people. So from there, put together a plan, do some shadowing to really figure out and see how the organization inter- like works with one another. And then that's how you, you use that information to build the plan that you roll out with the organization. And a lot of it has to deal with social styles and helping their employees become more aware of not only how do you communicate, but how do you lead as a leader and what are ways that you can change and how do you structure in your process. So that um, there's so much more to that, but I love people and I love human behavior. So whether it's in, yeah. uh, whether I do podcasting or consulting, like if you can help and serve organizations to help them create more clarity and help people really find and see how they add value to the organization. I mean, that that's priceless. And so that's something that I it love. Is. That's, yeah. I love working with people too. And like you think about psychology and how the human brain works and how people yes. think the way they do and you, a lot for what you do. But what would be, you name the top ones, what would be the number one obstacle that you see uh, big companies having in their team that they deal with? An obstacle in the team yeah what's the biggest thing the struggle you see with the team that allows them or doesn't allow them to be the most successful as a group yeah i definitely hands down communication 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 because i agree whether it whether you're in a company or it's you're in a relationship or your your family members husband and wife boyfriend girlfriend fiance whatever 
communication because we all have various styles of communication and based on whether we're like, I'm an expressive, I tend to inject a lot of emotion and hand gestures into my communication. And there are people who there's also amiable. So there are people who really like to create peace and to be centered and they don't like confrontation. And then there's drivers, people who like don't have any emotion. They just tell the top three things and they want to be efficient. And then you have analytical. So understanding what type of communicator you are and understanding the other types of communication that's going on in your organization or your startup or your family really helps you get an insight as to what what that other person really values because you can talk all day long and exchange words but you the two people in the conversation might walk away with two completely different nothing. things so yeah nothing and they're like they didn't say this and they didn't say that or I mean, just communication, communication, communication. And a lot of times what upper leadership may think they're doing a great job at communication and you talk to people that are working the front line, they might think completely different. So it's just that communication, understanding how you communicate and understanding how people in your startup, people in your life communicate can really help create clarity on what you want to get across. Let's put you on the spot. So you've known me for a little while now and you've been working with the group here. Yeah. What uh, what kind of communicator am I? What what In- kind of person do you see me as? Uh, so I, when I've thought about, don't, this you won't one, hurt my feelings. No, 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 not at all. I mean, and no style is bad, not in any way, shape, or form. But I thought about this when we first had our Skype meeting. I'm like, okay, and I was talking to another person, Pete, who's on our team, and I'm asking him about you to figure out, okay, what kind of communication you? I would say you default to an expressive. You got a lot of passion, your facial expressions, your hand gestures, you inject that. And you also, dependent upon your environment, you slide into a driver, which is you you would slide up where it's not necessarily that you drop your emotions, but you will just get very frank with what you want done. And it comes just one, two, three. You don't have time. Also, people who are drivers and expressors tend to do a lot more telling versus asking questions like the... People who are amiable and analytical appreciate when you ask them questions versus tell them. That's something that you and I probably struggle with because we already we get an email or we've already crafted the plan in our head and we're like, okay, I'm just going to tell the team X, Y, and Z, this is what needs to be done versus team, here's, here are my thoughts. What do you think? So understanding am I tell versus ask oriented and then who are the people I'm talking to? Are they tell versus ask oriented? And being able to flex as a leader it's important because you have to flex to the people that you're, you're working with. Damn. So, yeah. You're good. You're no, good. I'm not, I promise you it's, it's not that I'm good. It's just, I think when you work with people a lot and you understand a process and you know how to identify and to look for those traits, it makes it not from a manipulation standpoint. It just makes you more aware and it makes it easier to communicate with people in the way that they appreciate to be You said everything that I thought you were going to say. I mean, that's how I am. I'm very upfront and frank and sometimes I may be a little vulgar. I just say what the fuck. I say what it is. I say what it is. This is what I want to do. I want to get this done. Let's do it. Uh, I don't have time to waste. And if you want to be a part of this, awesome. If you don't, then scatter along and go along your way. I mean, I I have the vision. I am one of the most passionate people about what I do because I love what I do. I would die for what I do. Every one of the people on my team, I would do anything for them because they're helping build the vision. It's not just me. It's not just you. We're building something bigger than us. Right. So So, there's my passion. and, And, you know, that's why I am the way I am. Right. And, and people and can see that through podcasts so clearly. Obviously. And they could definitely hear it in your voice. And one of the, uh, what do I want to call it? Short down, downfalls that people who are expressive have to be aware of is that, and I haven't seen this in you, but I know sometimes my innate reaction is to get this way, but I have to process it. So it becomes, you have to become aware, but people who are expressive, anytime they feel as if they're being attacked will default to defensiveness. Where if you talk to someone who is amiable, the people who really appreciate harmony and want people to get along, but they're, they're more feelings based. They like that feel good. Um, they won't bring, uh, if, they won't bring something up. They'll actually shut down until it hits a point. And then 
they react out of nowhere. Yes. And so people like who are expressive or drivers or analyticals were like, what, where in the world did that come from? But that's how they handle that. Or analyticals, they will continue to research, research. If you give them a task and you're like, hey, look up the, give me a list of all the colleges within the Minnesota, Minneapolis area. They will continually find information and they struggle to sometimes make a decision so that's but, why you have a team though. So we have right. analyticals on our team and we have the driver. So I'm the driver. I guess I call myself the Steve jobs. And then we have the people that look at things and you need the devil's advocate too. Right. No, a- it, absolutely. But you need all them together. But I realize, like I can work with so many different people and like you, like psychology, like I realize that everybody's formed a different way. They were all born into a certain family or situation it formed who they are as people and that's for me how I got formed who I am so I understand that and I realize if somebody's not like me and how they react like I I'm very good about it because everybody's different Mm -hmm. we can't all be alike because I know if I was in a room with five people like me I would probably kill them (laughs) I don't think I can handle it like right I cannot sometimes I can't handle myself but you you need that and that's yes. building your team, your mastermind group is what I call it. Yep. And that's what we've built. So enough on that, Anna. We, we, people yeah, understand. We can talk all day. About- <laughs> we can talk all day. It's psychology and how people think. But so you, you left corporate. You did your own thing. You did consulting. Travel over the country. Tell me about how the podcast, she did it her way, how that came about. What made you want to do that podcast and how you built it up to – getting named top 12 podcasts on Forbes, boom, like, wow, enough said. So how did you get to that? So back in 2000, the end of 2013, oh my gosh, I'm I'm messing up the dates. Okay. Yeah. End of 2013, early 2014, I had some downtime with project work. And so I was at home in Chicago and I had about two months to myself to do what the heck do I want to do? And I had reached out to a gentleman who ran another podcast, the Foundation Podcast, that um, Dane Maxwell and Andy Drish, if you're familiar with them, they had put out. And I reached out to their person who runs their podcast. And I said, Chris, at the time, like, teach me what are the things that you do with this podcast? And he had given me, he like really walked me through what went into a podcast, which at that time, then I was like, well, shoot, son, like, there's like, not that there's nothing that goes into podcasts, but it's really easy to do it with if you need, you got Skype and then you got your recording software and boom, you just upload it. Now, once you get into podcasting, there's a lot more you can do with the intros and then the marketing and the analytics. But at that time, once I really understood that I spent 2014 playing around and doing interviews with bloggers because I had thought that I wanted to create this online blogging portal for bloggers to go in and to watch videos and to learn from other people. And that nothing ever really came to that. But like you had said before, sometimes you got to do things not for the outcome, but for the experience. Mm -hmm. And so I, the whole time when I was doing that, I was like, I know this is going to go towards something. I'm not really sure what, but I'm working on my interview skills. I'm getting the software down. I'm understanding it. And then probably the last quarter of 2014, I thought, I knew how to run Squarespace. I had photos. I'm like, I'm just going to put this out there, build it. And I was working with Molly Daly, who is another co-founder in a different capacity. And I told her about it. She's like, okay, well, I want to help. Like, what do you need me to do? And so we started just building it. And then Tess Wicks, who is a phenomenal writer, and she actually, she used to be an actuary in Chicago and she quit her job. She left the corporate. She made really good money. And she's like, nope, not anymore. She's a phenomenal writer, so she writes all her content on the website. So talking about teams, it formed that we all just know our roles, and then we just started. We're like, okay, let's do this, and we started reaching out to our network, and then along the way, we started building different things on the website, and I think the success has been the consistency of it Yes, every single week. and You have to we be just, consistent. Yeah, and patient with it, too, because... Some people, the question I get asked all the time is, are you making money? Are you like, is it a a business? And you could argue as a business or a hobby. I, right now, we're solely focused on creating that relationship with our market that it's 
about the content. We're more focused on the content that we're producing right now and getting that out where um, that's our, that's our focus. So I think consistency has really helped us and just, yeah, I'm going to leave it at consistency. No consistency is the biggest thing. And you guys are, what day of the week do you have your podcast go? So we release a story every Monday at noon and then we're route we're winding down our season one we're going to wrap up right before thanksgiving but we have some stuff that we're coming out between thanksgiving and the end of the year and then oh you actually have a season so you end and then you go (laughs) yeah well yeah that kind of that just sort of came because we figured with the holiday season we're going to end it right before thanksgiving but we're still going to be producing content but in a different capacity so people will see that but every monday at noon yeah Yeah. i've seen that i I mean i just kind of when i did it i was like you had to research and i just made the commitment yeah for me i mean i'm the most laid back like it goes every tuesday thursday this morning it's tuesday i woke up at 4 30 and i i did my podcast for tonight and just that's my style everybody has their style but if you're consistent and you you were talking about speak to your audience Mm -hmm. uh for me, the reason is I want to reach out to people like me and build yeah. a relationship. And that's what I've done. And that's kind of where the Young Entrepreneur Convention came up. Well, we got this team, this audience. Why don't we do something bigger than this right. as a movement across the country? It, we're a big family. And I want to reach out to people that are like us, that have the same pains, and let us know, hey, it's all right. We, we can make it through the entrepreneurial journey that is tough as hell at times. Right. And when when the crowdfunding goes live and how people can pledge and get involved, the ticket cost is a no-brainer. There's such a oh. risk with it. and But I love it because then it makes it – there's no barrier to entry. Anyone can literally attend it. And I think that's amazing because that just shows at the end of the day you want to be able to catch people who – are thinking about it, whether they're, I mean, anyone's going to be able to take anything away. So you just make it to where the the barrier to entry is so low. It's a no brainer. And to know to even just come speak with us, like our team, that value in itself, the synergy is worth the price of gold in itself. I mean, for $29 of the kicks, by the way, anybody listening, November 2nd, 9am, we launch in the first, I think we'll have a 500 people that pledge they can get it for a twenty nine dollar ticket price, and I I predict that being gone within the first five hours of launch, because we have so many people already ready to get that. After that, it's going to go up. But like, why wouldn't you invest in yourself for mm-hmm. twenty nine bucks? I mean, I don't know if you're a drinker out there. That's like a thirty pack and a half, or if it's a, a go to a movie. I mean, heck, a movie could cost you that anymore. It's crazy what things cost. But I always think, I always think of everything in terms of traveling or traveling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just think what you could spend. I'm like, oh, I can buy nothing. that purse for 150 bucks. I'm like, or I could go buy a buy a plane ticket for 150 bucks. But anyway, or sorry, wait, here's got, even a better yeah. one. Stop drinking espresso for seven days straight. There you go. There's your ticket Ooh. price. <laughs> so yeah. let's. We got 10 minutes left. I want to go into a couple other things with you personally. So tell me. For one, I like to ask, what has been the biggest failure or low point in your life? And how did you overcome it? And what did you learn from it? Because we all have failures. And I believe we all should tell them because that's what most people learn from. Yeah. And I've shared, I think I share this almost at any chance I get on any podcast or any medium because I think it's important and it's something to share. But when I had left and gone out on my own, I, my income absolutely like two and a half times tripled, whatever. And the money was coming in and I was 24 and I never really knew how to handle money and I never had a budget just because growing up in Iowa and then with college and taking student loans, like it was always this, oh, I don't have enough money to manage. And then I read these books and they're like, if you have two pennies, you have money to manage. And so I had found myself that with my income, my lifestyle had gone up as well. And then there's a whole emotional attachment to things and your ego that could be for another podcast, but it's... I went up with my income and I attached my value and my worth to how much I was successfully financially making. But then I also never learned to live on a budget. And I had a really coming to Jesus moment, if you will, about, am I being a good steward of my finances? And at the time, like a year and a half, two years ago, I was not. And I, part of that was from number one, not having a personal budget. And because when you get into this, freelance solo entrepreneur space, it gets a little tricky because you're now dictating how much money you as an individual are making. But then also secondly, you are 
you have business expenses. So yeah. how do you mitigate, manage, and track that? Number one, is it is it's it tough. to overcome? It is. Especially and if you got multiple companies. I mean Yes. So being organized and really going through a heart tran- transformation that things and material wealth, although they're they're fun and and I I have some some things that people would probably consider material wealth, but I know that the like why I have them is not the same why as it was two years ago when I used to have them and purchase them. It was because I thought I needed to based on the level of income I was bringing in where now it's, it's, it's completely different. So it's a hard transition. So I would say the lowest point was the financial of the income going up and then tying my self-worth and value into that. And then having it come crashing down in my face because a project didn't come through like I had anticipated before. So learning to live on the information at hand and not spending money that you don't have and just getting really clear. And there's been a lot of things that have come out of that because you learn that you can experience so much joy on such little amount of money. The best experiences are ones that cost nothing. I mean, I, I right. used to live beyond my means and uh, I had the vision of being a millionaire, but I was spending like a millionaire when I had the million. So like right. you got to spend within your means and be very frugal as an entrepreneur at the beginning. Right. So, And that's not to say not to have the lavish goals of being a millionaire or making X amount of money or anything like that. Don't You can't be fearful. And I'm not saying you are, but I, and this is just from personal experience is that you yeah, you just have to be realistic, especially in the beginning, anyone who's going out on their own, being organized, understanding where your money's going both personally and from the business perspective. And just knowing that, like, just being cognizant of like how money impacts you and whether it changes your ego and if it makes yeah. you feel as if you're better because you make X amount of dollars. Because I mean, that was me for internally. I don't think a lot of people would have known externally, but, but it I, doesn't. Thought I, I thought it was tough. I thought it was like hot cookies. No, or no, I so. know I've been there, and it's yeah, like you could. I always say, it. if somebody's a billionaire, I don't care. I mean, it's who you are as a person. That's what I like. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so next question is, how do you how do you stay focused with your accomplishing your goals and tasks? Like, how do you stay focused with everything going on? I think the biggest thing is obviously the planning and preparation, knowing a good plan of like what you want to get done. I also use my day designer that has been fantastic. But I also think it's the thought process that comes to me when I'm doing stuff. So you always have opportunities to be distracted, whether it's email, text messages, calling, or you could do something else versus actually doing what you want to get done. But then I always think about, okay, if I don't get this done now, what is that going to, what's the outcome going to be for later? Then I'm going to have to do it during the evening. And so I don't want to do it during the evening. I, I want to be very disciplined about this is the time that I do emails and I work. And then this is the time that I unplug because I've been in the position where you do work all the time, even on Saturdays and Sundays. Yep. And it becomes a diseconomies of scale. The the growth for the time that you put into it, it's just, it's not a really good ROI. So it's really just thinking about your do, opportunity cost and the offset of it. Do you but, set your goals at the beginning of each day then too? Yeah. yeah. there. I always have three things that I want to get done and that, those ebb and flow. And then um, also being really dis- like focused on there are things that I want to do but aren't really going to add value if I finish them. So doing the getting the necessary things done that I need to get done. You know, and that's a big thing. So I'm right now I'm working at John Lee Dumas with a crowdfunding campaign launches January fourth, and it's for the, a book called The Freedom Journal. And what it is, it helps you set and accomplish goals, a hundred day goals. And I believe for most successful entrepreneurs. They need to, they, they set goals. I mean, yes. if you don't set goals, you're not going to achieve them. So every day, I have a, a copy already. So I, I set goals. <laughs> of course you. Yeah, so I set which goals. Which I'm excited about. He's No, he, and he's coming to speak stuff. at our event, yeah. which is awesome. But And anybody, January 4th, the campaign launches. But for anybody, you need to set your goals at the beginning of the day. And yes. so you know what it is. Because so, quite honestly, my life's so crazy. I have to go back to my freedom journal and check and see what my goals for that day, because my mind is so sporadic. Like I ADD sometimes, but if you write it down on paper, it's proven that it's more likely to happen. And that's how you get your tasks done and go to the email thing and phone. Like I'm working on just checking my email like twice a day instead of checking nonstop because that distracts you all day. 
what's a dopamine effect? It's it, just like Instagram. You, you know, they, it's they like crap. See, they say, no, they say it's proof. And you probably know this, like a Facebook notification or a Twitter or an email. Like it's like part derivative. Like you say the effect of cocaine or anything else. Like yeah. you hear this feeling in your brain when you see that you're like really excited. It's like, okay, what is it? Yeah. it it's true. And, I've and, turned off all notifications on my phone. Smart. Smart. Well, because then it also takes you out of your focus, and then it, there, it takes you another ten to fifteen minutes to get back into focus. That distraction is not worth it. No, it's, it's not. Not worth it. Let's do a couple questions so, to end the okay. show. First one I want to ask you because you had this. Tell me something that most people don't know about you. Uh, I know. <laughs> um, I well, let's see. These I wanted to know for myself. <laughs> um. I mean, I could go. I could go funny router. I mean, I was in color guard when I was in high school. I did plays and musicals. Did you so really? That's, oh yeah. So that, but um, so you can that's act. Kind of, I can act. Actually, funny story. I'm in a 21 day detox because uh, I was over. I was traveling for three weeks straight, and I was in. I was at Oktoberfest this past Saturday. I did rap karaoke and 100 percent sober at 12:30 in the morning. I did Warren G. Regulate, and it was the most amazing. Did experience. you videotape that? Yeah, I have some videotape. Can, yeah. can we share that with the audience? Can I put that in the notes? Seriously, <laughs> you can might I? lose some listeners, but yeah, no, I'll send okay, it to you. good. I'll <laughs> I'll put that in the notes. There, good. Yeah, um, I I think uh, I don't really I don't think I find this is just me living my life, but to some people, they're always surprised to find out that I'm from Iowa. I'm from a sixty-five thousand person town, and I think a lot of times people, and I I've I've done this where I've looked at people and I've seen their success, and I'm like. Oh, of course it was like given to them and everything's perfect. And you look at the highlight reel, right. And yeah. you see where they're at, but you forget about everything that what they has did. come before. And so I would just say, if you, if anyone's listening and they feel that they don't see a way out or they like, just don't see opportunity or possibility, it is definitely, definitely there. And so my mindset, the way that it is today, wasn't always the way that it was. And so I just say that because everybody goes through transformation and there's always hope and there's always change and you just have to want to change and then you can you can decide to make that change and you'll make that change. That's good so, advice. Two yes. more questions. What are the top three books you would suggest to anybody out there for entrepreneurship oh. or life? Gosh, uh, I would definitely say Awaken the Giant Within from Tony Robbins. Fantastic book. Have you read it? I'm going to because I'm yes. going to a Tony Robbins concert next, or event next week. That is, yeah, de okay, definitely read that one. That's changed, that, that's all psychology. Um, I would also say um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's uh, about a guy who was, um, he's a Jewish man. He was a psychiatrist or psychologist, one of the two, and he was in a, a camp and he talks about how the one thing that no one can take away from you is the decision and how you choose to react to anything that comes to you in life. Yep. And that mindset, like if you internally give up or you keep going, has a it drives your outcome. And then the third one, I'm trying to picture my bookshelf at home because it's massive, but um I would say Dale Carnegie's um How to Win Friends and Influence People uh, Influence People. Yeah. I, I say that to everybody and most people, I mean, that book is if you want to be able to be very good at sales or influence people to do things that you want, read that book. Right. Read. Oh, can I have one more? Yes, you I can have say, four. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Boom! Boom! Damn! Yeah, my favorite yes. book. That is the Bible for me. I love that book, and you just won yeah. everybody's heart over because I talk about it all the time. Great book, it, and it changed my life. Yeah, it definitely. It's worth the read. Don't judge the title, whatever. I mean... But it's so true. It's our, our thoughts create emotions that create actions that deliver results and outcomes. You are what you think about most of the time. Whatever the mind conceives and believes, the mind achieves. And yes. what you set your mind on, eventually the law of attraction will bring you to it. Rock on, brother. Lastly, what yes. are your top three tips to give to other young entrepreneurs? Mm. I my, my three tips would be one – Realize that you're running your own race, meaning don't compare yourself to other people because comparison steals your joy and being grateful. And I think being grateful is number one for success. So know that you're running your own race to always educate, learn, never stop reading, never stop listening, never stop going to events, 
to better yourself. And number three is always to go back to number one, just be like practice gratefulness because I've found that the more times that I'm grateful for the things that I do, other amazing things come along, come, come the way, like along the way. So never compare yourself, always educate, develop, invest, and then always be grateful. Great stuff, Amanda. I mean, you've given a lot of great stuff, especially for people out there that are listening, that are debating if they want to leave corporate, what they want to do with their life, because you've done it. It's all right. I've done it. It's all right. And I just want to acknowledge you for the great person that you are and what you're doing. I mean, with your podcast and for people, when you travel around the country, you help teams and you help them become better. And then what you're going to be doing with Young Entrepreneur Convention, we are going to change the world. And you know that from my vision and from the team we have. And I'm excited. I'm speechless about it. And I get emotional and all passionate about it. But thank you so much. Where can people find you for one, your podcast, and then everything else that you do? Yeah, she did it her way podcast.com. And you can send me a note, first name, amanda.bolin at gmail.com. I got to say, the podcast, it's worth a listen. And the the women on there are geniuses. I mean, they are smart firecrackers. Listen to the show and listen to Amanda because <laughs> you're gonna be oh seeing gosh. more. You're gonna be seeing more of her. You just wait with YEC with everything going on. So check that all out. Thank you, Amanda, for coming on the show. Thank I you appreciate so it. much. In the meantime, go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan Amen. T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's show with Amanda Bolin. I had a lot of fun. She is a firecracker. If you haven't done so already, check out her podcast. She did it her way. And also my notes at brandontadams.com. I got all the links to her. She's in the U.S. News, Forbes, everything else. Check that out. Follow her on Twitter and listen to her podcast because it is seriously, it's awesome. The women that she brings on, they have a lot of great information and she's killing it right now. I mean, Forbes named her top 12 best podcast. That is awesome. So before I go, again, remind you, we're launching a huge campaign November 2nd at 9 a.m. for the Young Entrepreneur Convention. You want to join us, be a part of it. I sure hope you do so because it's going to take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Just check that out at youngentrepreneurconvention.com. Or if you want to join us as an ambassador, join the team, send me a text, 563-880-8632. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. And in the meantime, go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody.